Exodus 14 say amen? Amen. The older we get in life, the more we realize life is full of questions that don't have answers. Uh, I mean, I have some. Uh, why, why do babies have to die? Uh, why are some people who have diseases healed and others with the exact same thing unable to be healed? Why do we live in a world with so much pain and we shout sin, but oftentimes that pain is brought on by ourselves? Why does a natural disaster destroy everything someone has lived and worked for their entire life? Why does it seem like in America that has everything that evil seems to be winning? Why is life cut short for so many? I mean, these aren't questions that you can answer by watching the news and somebody gives you a concrete answer because things constantly change. I mean, the sudden loss of Dave Fife is one of those questions that's hard to answer as he was caretaking and, and helping take care of Pat. So I direct us to Exodus 14, and, and I think I would be... Uh, I wouldn't be honest with you today if I didn't tell you that this is one of my favorite Old Testament stories. Because we see God making a way. We see God providing a way when there seemed to be no answer. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, what way are you talking about? The Israelites have now left Egyptian bondage. Pharaoh has said go after the death of the firstborn. And if you recall, the death of the firstborn was the tenth of ten plagues and God hardened his heart all the way through the others. But it was the death of the firstborn that got Pharaoh's attention. And keep in mind, the death of the firstborn did not take place in any home that had blood applied to the doorpost, the Passover. The death angel passed over those, listen, covered by the blood. Are you with me? And it was the death of the firstborn uh, where Pharaoh says, go, go, go. And now they're on the move, and Pharaoh realizes something. I've let our entire workforce go. Go get them back. And they're on the move. And here we arrive in chapter 14. I'll start with verse 13 because as they are fleeing the army of Pharaoh, now in front of them is the Red Sea. So I want to tell you, what do you do when you don't know what to do? The enemy pursuing you, the Red Sea in front of you, what do we do, where do we go, who do we turn to? Verse 13 Chapter 14, Exodus. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Listen, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. I wonder how many of those that word for Moses just went, it just, it just went by, by them and they didn't catch it. 
The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I mean, folks, this story just gets more intriguing and intriguing. He, first of all, he says, you're not even going to have to fight. The Lord will fight for you. And then he says, the children of Israel are going to go across on dry ground. Well, I can assure you uh, that most of us are praying for rain. And, you know, I have a little dinky garden, man. I'm praying for these farmers. God, send rain. I, pr I pray it blasts before we even leave today. But I can assure you, if I water a spot of dirt for a little while, it's going to get soft. The Bible says they'll pass on dry ground. The story just continues to get bigger and bigger. 17, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow you and follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other. Darkness to one, light to the other. so that one did not come near the other all that night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel were in the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and on the left, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the, of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They began to see something supernatural in the battle. The Lord fights for them. 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and on the left, so the Lord saved. He saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. That might be an understatement there because they've seen the power of God and they recognize that God kept his word to Moses. They didn't even have to fight themselves. God won the battle. Uh, next week, 
we're gonna look at the song they sing. Because oftentimes in the battles of life, God gives you a testimony on the other side. Amen? This past week, Ron Super, sitting in the back, had a PET scan, or a week ago had a PET scan, went to the doctor to get the results this week, only to find out that what the concern was is no longer there. Most likely it was pneumonia. Have you ever been more grateful, Ron, for pneumonia in your life? See, on the other side, God gives us an opportunity to sing a song. And that's a song of praise. So here's what I want to to help us understand this morning. When we're traveling through the darkness of uncertainty, God will make a way. God will make a way. Now, How many of you believe this morning? How many of you believe or how many have witnessed in your own life that God provides? That God provides. We know that. We know that. But God has always been providing. Uh, How do I know that, Brother Greg? For instance, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Paul writes in Colossians chapter four, verse two, continue earnestly in prayer, be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open up a door. God has always been in the business of opening up doors. My problem is I wanna kick down a door I'm not sure that God is opening. Have you ever been there? Uh, Stacy and Kyle, their back door, um, the back door and then the screen, the back door is a, is a little stiff, meaning that when you, when you shut it, you're not sure you can get back in it. And last night, I was coming out, and as I was coming out, I heard a voice, don't shut it, don't shut it, don't shut it. And I said, watch, don't, don't shut the door all the way. Why? Because we might be walking around to the front, opening the garage door, trying to get in the house to get back in. A lot of times, We force doors open, we kick doors in, and folks, I'm telling you, the Christian life, you're living beneath your privilege as a Christian if you're not trusting God in the tough times of life. Otherwise, you're gonna be overwhelmed. Otherwise, you're gonna be depressed that you can't fix something. I'm telling you, folks, the the one who knows better about anything you're going through is the one who created you. The one who gives us breath, the one who lives inside us is Lord and Savior. So I thank the Lord that even in the darkness of life sometimes and and what our church family's kind of going through at the moment, we can trust God to help us through uncertainty. Through uncertainty. Even when it comes to temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. What are you saying, Brother Greg? God will make a way. He will make a way. We can trust him through the darkness of uncertainty. Um, Robert Morgan, in his book, The Red Sea Rules, it's just a great tool. Some of the things I'm using today are from that. Robert Morgan 
writes in the Red Sea rules, God will make a way for trusting. This is in your notes. God will make a way for trusting even if he has to split the sea to do it. He'll make a way for the trusting heart even if he has to split the sea to do it. So Moses is leading the children of Israel. The reality of bondage in Egypt is a thing of the past, and immediately they're met with a decision. Well, what are you saying, Brother Greg? We can come to worship and have the greatest worship experience we've ever had, sing songs of Zion to the Lord, come to the altar and pray, but I'm telling you, as soon as we leave, folks, the devil will strike. And any time the church is doing anything for the Lord, why should we be puzzled when the enemy attacks? When we see people come to Christ, when we see Christians growing, why should we be uh, puzzled that the devil's not coming after us? You see, the devil will leave a sleeping church alone. He, He don't care about a church that's not excited about the word of God and preaches the word of God. He doesn't care about a church that doesn't praise the Lord. He likes a church to walk through the motions. He likes us to come in unchanged and leave unchanged. He'll leave us alone, but I'm telling you, as soon as the Lord strikes a hot fire in your heart, I'm telling you, the devil will get busy. And we shouldn't be discouraged, and we shouldn't quit, and we shouldn't get mad at each other. What we should do is love each other and recognize that God is doing a good work. Amen? You see, it's the fire of God that the devil can't stand. Um, The other night, we had the boys, and and I had this big idea. Hey, let's cook hot dogs on on a campfire. And uh, I got the fire going, and then all of a sudden I started thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if a campfire is an ideal climate right now. Are you with me? You know what I've recognized about dry, droughty conditions, Don? The farmers in our church. You know about the only thing that grows when, when everything's dry are weeds. Or somehow they make their way. weeds. And if your heart is spiritually dry, you're giving the devil room to sow. But I'm telling you in the Holy Spirit of God, when God lights the fire of your life, the Holy Spirit will crowd out the dry, the dry leaves of your life. I don't know, that sounded better when I was thinking about preaching. I'm just going to say amen to myself, Okay. God will make a way for trusting even if he has to split the sea to do it. They immediately have a decision. When we leave here today, you're immediately going to have to, have a, you're, you, you're going to, have to make some decisions this week. The sea was before them, Pharaoh's army bearing down on them. I mean, how can you not be eaten up by worry when the Red Sea's in front of you? How can you not be eaten up by worry when the diagnosis is not what you want to hear? When the family seems to be falling apart? When the prospect of your job and steady income becomes questionable? When we're traveling through the darkness of uncertainty? Verse 13, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more again. So what do we do? 
What do we do when we're traveling through the darkness of uncertainty? Here's the first thing. And these folk, folks, these are not novel, but they're practical. Here's the first one. Slow down. Slow down. Look at verse 13 again. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Slow down. Uh, the picture here is standing firm. Standing firm in what you believe. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference begins tonight in New Orleans. And, and um, you'll say, Brother Greg, didn't you used to always go to those? I did. Why don't you anymore? I'm tired of the drama. I'm tired of the drama. Uh, this week, the, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to make a decision, listen to me, about if we believe the Bible says a pastor should be a man. Listen to me. You're going to see it all over the news. And if you take a stand for what we've always believed the Bible to mean, you, we're going to be labeled. I've never seen so much politics in my life. And I'm telling you, folks, people are dying without Jesus. And churches are rearranging chairs on the Titanic, wasting time on doing things that are not gospel-centered, and, and, and I've got a church to pastor rather than a trip to take. Let's, let's do it for the Lord, amen? And, and listen, listen, that's not to say if somebody disagrees with me does not mean that I cannot love that person. And, and I really wish that what I've been uh, witnessing I hope, I hope that church members watch what their pastors post social media because there's a lot of apologizing that should take place. The devil's having a field day when we get distracted from our eyes on Jesus. The devil has a field day, listen, when we look back at Egypt and we're not moving forward. So he says... Slow down. If you want to see God move, if you want to have peace, slow down. Uh, recently, I read a thing about, you know, when men get lost driving. You know what we do when we get lost driving? Speed up. Speed up. Uh, and uh, Tim Hawkins, the Christian comedian, refers to his wife as his little helper when he drives. And uh, so I've been joking with Renee about being my little helper, but sometimes my little helper realizes we're lost and I don't. Okay? We came back from Myrtle Beach two years in a row and I saw this place called Pedro's South of the Border. I went the wrong way two years in a row. Stand firm. When you know what you believe and you don't, you don't have to react to everything, stand firm. Stand on the word of God. <laughs> and I'm amazed that all of a sudden in, in Southern Baptist life, all of a sudden this somehow is starting to mean something different. Stand on the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Now keep in mind, the predicament they're in, 
is they're exactly in the place that God put them. When you look at chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, um, he says, uh, Now that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. They turn and camp before, and, and I think this is pronounced Pihakirath. Camp there between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. So uh, this Pihakirath is here. Belzephon is here. He says, this is where you're going to camp. God tells them where to stop. And lo and behold, we're, we're, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. What are we going to do? When you find yourself in the darkness of uncertainty, remember that the Lord has placed you there or allowed you to be there. And when I thank God, and we'll talk a little bit later about sometimes we self-inflict our own wounds. I mean, we, we shoot ourselves sometimes by decisions we make. But when you find yourself in a tough spot, listen to me. God may be the only one who knows why you're there. And you may spend your entire life, Mark, trying to figure out what, what God's plan is. Moses was following and leading. The people were trusting the word of God through Moses. They were heading to the promised land, and they found themselves in great uncertainty while doing what the Lord said. We see that in the life of Joseph. All he wanted to do was interpret dreams, and next thing he finds out, he is, he is so unloved, and jealousy rages in his family, and he, he's left for dead, sold into slavery. He arises to a place of prominence and Potiphar's house, and he is a servant of honor, but he's lied about. He's thrown in prison. He was right where God had him, but it seemed like everything was falling apart. The disciples sailed right into a storm on the Sea of Galilee after Jesus said, get into the boat. Even in the darkness, we need to slow down and trust his plan. Here's the second one. Don't be surprised. Go back to 13. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Don't just slow down. Calm down. Take a breath. Because we're reminded that God has made a promise. You know you can trust the promises of God. Every time we go to a cemetery, I'm reminded of the promises of God. That for a believer, there'll be a resurrection day. A body that will be changed. Oh, there'll be a resurrection of everyone. But folks, listen, uh, only believers will be resurrected their bodies to heaven. You say, Brother Greg, what are you saying? I'm saying that everybody's going somewhere when they die, and it's one of two places. There is no in-between. There is no intermediate state. There is no purgatory where, where somebody can pray you into heaven. Folks, listen, you make your decision for Christ now. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the appointed time. If you're here today and you're a satisfied customer in the Lord Jesus Christ, say amen. Amen. And I tell you, sometimes I need to calm down. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to bed? And, uh, I know Marcia has like this. 
Dave, she's going to bed, and her mind is racing a thousand different ways about things that need to take place. Trust his promise. And when I trust his promises, I can calm down. Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Remember, he promises that the Israelites aren't even gonna have to fight. But you have to trust. And you're gonna have to trust by faith. Don't be afraid. The Bible says in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Anybody want to say amen? I have overcome, by the, overcome the world. First Peter. Peter writes about the persecution the church is facing and will face, the believer. First Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as, as if some strange things happened. As if some strange thing has happened. So the Israelites come to the edge of the Red Sea and they have some options. You like options? I used to like the multiple choice test. I have a 25% chance of guessing right. Options, quit. Oh, a lot of people quit. One out of every 10 ministry called preachers finish in ministry. Oh, a lot of people want to be a Sunday school teacher until it costs you some time. Oh, I, I, I'm going to work on, I'd love to work in Bible school, but uh, you're asking me to be here every night? Yep. I'd love to stay in the nursery. Yeah, it's a commitment. I believe children's church is important to the health of our church. It is. You've got to be committed to be part of it. And sometimes, folks, the same few carry the load for everybody because nobody commits. Nobody commits. Some people quit. Another option would be, let's, 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 let's do it a different way. Let's do it our way. And I can assure you, when you veer from the plan of God for your life, you will miss the best way. Let's, let's just go back. And that's exactly the mentality that Moses had to deal with on this journey. They got to the point where they felt like bondage and, and just hard manual labor back in Egypt, that life was better than the one that Moses has drug us out here to, and we're going to die of thirst, you'll see that, and uh, complain, they complain, they complain, and Moses would petition God and plead with God and say, please don't take your hand off of us and God would help them go forward. Calm down. You all remember after 9-11, um, the, the, the nation is just shocked, and do you remember that the Yankees had a baseball game? And do you remember who showed up to throw out the first pitch? Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, George W. Bush, anybody remember that? He walked out to the mound with that Yankee jacket on. He didn't hesitate. The catcher was there, and he threw a strike. Crowd erupted, and, uh, and I thought, watching that from Camden, Ohio, that gave me great assurance 
that America would not just sit back, that something was going to happen. And some writers said there was never a more appropriate time in the history of America for somebody to throw a strike. I felt a calmness. And if you're here today and you're going through the valley of uncertainty, slow down, take a deep breath, and trust the promises of God. Calm down. Number three, don't back down. Don't back down. What do you mean, Brother Greg? He will accomplish for you today, verse 13, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again, no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Go forward. Rest in the promises of God. Now, I believe in that group, there were probably some that needed encouraged. And like you here today, there are people in your life that you encourage in your Christian faith. And like many of us, there are others in our lives that we need to be encouraged, and God is the one who uses them. Some are probably singing, I'm done with this, and some are probably singing, I've come too far to look back. The South African pastor, Andrew Murray, was going through a crisis. He gathered himself, he slowed down, he calmed down, and here's what he wrote. God has brought me here by his will. In that, I'll rest. He will keep me here in his love, by his grace. He will teach me a lesson through this, because of his love. And lastly, in his own time, he will see me through by his power. Boy, that's a good word. That's a good word to put in your Bible. That's a good word to write down somewhere. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand his hand. And then lastly, don't just not back down. Don't water down. Don't water down. You see, in, in the darkness of uncertainty, the Word of God is for us. The Word of God will instruct us. The Word of God will help us. Uh, we've either been through a storm, we're in the midst of one, or we will head into one. But we've got to stand on the promises of God, standing on the promises of God. Marcia, there's our invitation song. Standing on the promises of God. You know what I'm thankful for in my own life? I'm thankful for the family, the preacher who shared with my papa Jackson, Jesus. Because then my granny and papa took my dad, who was the youngest of four, he took, they took him to church. And he gave his life to Christ. And then they moved to Dayton as soon as they got out of high school. And him and mom got married and he went to work at McCall's. They found a home church and it wasn't long when my mom got saved. 
And then they had Sheila and thought, we can do better. Let's have one more. And then I was born. And all I knew was church was part of your life. Thankful for those faithful preachers, no Sunday school teachers, no nursery workers, just like you all, who loved a little boy as the Holy Spirit worked, knowing that one day, hopefully, God would change his life and get a hold of his heart. Hey, I look out, I look out over you all. I see what God's doing in Tracy's life and Dean's life and Ron's life and He'll, he'll hold the bloomers tomorrow. He'll help you, Dave. He's faithful, amen? You know why? Because when we walk through the darkness and uncertainty of life, there is an unchanging hand that will bring you home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't know what you're going through today. But I do know that the Lord loves you. And the invitation is going to be fairly simple. If you're here and, and, and you are in the, in the darkness of uncertainty and, and you just want to come and pray, I'm, an, I'm inviting you to come this morning. Br- bring, a, bring your spouse, bring a friend. They'll pray for you. They'll come with you. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to recognize that He died on the cross to pay a debt for you you could never pay yourself. Because of our sin, Jesus died. And when we ask him into our heart and ask him to forgive us of our sin, the Bible says we can be saved. So Lord, this invitation is yours. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that we have. Lead us now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.